0: Pastor Xavier Reese, facing the facts of the simple truths of Scripture. The Bible is the Word of God. In fact,
1: the Scriptures declare over 3,800 times in the Old Testament Thus saith the Lord, the Word of the Lord came to me, the Lord said right, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. Every person that ever reads the Bible and here's the claims of the Bible must make a decision evaluating the Bible. You cannot be straddling the fence, you have to make that decision.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The startling declaration of Psalm 14.1 is, the fool says in his heart there is no God. And try as they might, there has never been any archaeological find, scientific discovery, or literary contradiction to disprove any part of the Bible. But as we turn to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, chapter 36, for ourselves today, Pastor Xavier illustrates the veracity of the simple truths of Scripture is a much easier sell than the contrary. Let's listen.
1: Voltaire, the noted 18th century French philosopher, said that it took centuries to build up Christianity, but, quote, I'll show how just one Frenchman can destroy it within 50 years. Taking his pen... He dipped it into the ink of unbelief and he wrote against God. Twenty years after his death, the Geneva Bible Society purchased his house for printing the Bible, and it later became the Paris headquarters of the British and Foreign Bible Society. The Bible is still a bestseller, an entire sixth volume of Voltaire's works One sold for 90 cents. Jeremiah's told us how many hammers God's anvil has worn out. Men have come and gone to dispute the Bible. Men today, who sit in modern-day cemeteries, declaring themselves to be scholars, who declare that this is not the word of God. They call it neo-orthodox. They call it many different things. They call it reform theology. They call it whatever they want it. But they're still the same in the same camp as Jehoiakim one who rejects the Word of God, and they make it everything but the Word of God. This chapter of Jeremiah 36 is one of the most important in the book. Due to the fact that we are given the origin of the book of Jeremiah, the chapter has been called Pen and the Pen Knife because of the content and the destruction of the scroll. We're given details such as a scroll, ink, a pen, the selecting of a scribe, Baruch, and the dictation of Jeremiah the prophet. Both chapter 36 and 37 focus on God's word of judgment and Judah's rejection of God's word. The climax comes when Jehoiakim the king destroys the scroll of Jeremiah. All hope is gone. In chapter 36... We have God's command to Jeremiah to record his revelation. And we want to examine it in three ways. We're going to look at the revelation to Jeremiah first. And then we're going to look at the revelation to Jeremiah and the historical evidence. And we'll finish up with the purpose of the revelation to Jeremiah. And this will open up the chapter and lay it out for us. First of all, the Bible is God's revelation. We need to begin there, Okay. The Bible is very clear about that. Let me give you a definition. Revelation is the acts of God whereby he makes himself and truth known to us at special times into special people. That's revelation. Now, in the context, we're talking about the man who he revealed to. There's no new revelation today, but to those men that wrote it. God commanded here, Jeremiah, if you look at verse 1 and 2. To write down the revelation of his prophecies. Now, it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take a scroll of the book and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel, against Judah, and against all the nations. From the day I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah, even to this day. Very specific. The command, Jeremiah, write it down. The prophecies. The date is given to us and stated there, the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, 605 B.C., the year Nebuchadnezzar defeated Egypt at the Battle of Carchemish. Uh, Jeremiah gives us that date and correlates it in chapter 46, verse 2. Again, the book of Jeremiah is not in chronological order, so you have to watch the dates and you have to insert them back in, okay? And we've talked about that before. Now, you find this same date in chapter 25, verse 1, okay? Okay? So we're going back in time to Jehoiakim. We were Zedekiah. We're going back to Jehoiakim now. But notice the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This is the source of the word. This is not Jeremiah's thoughts. These are not the words of Jeremiah, but it's the words of Yahweh. In verse 2, the prophet is told to write down God's word. Take a scroll of the book. Write on it all the words. Not just some. All the words that I've spoken to you. It's against Israel, against Judah, against the nations. Okay? Judgment. In chapter 30, verse 2, God told Jeremiah to write in a book all the words that he has spoken to him also. Okay, but we don't get the details that we get here. But he's told him that before. Now, the material was to consist of notice clearly from the days of Yahweh has spoken to him from the days of Josiah even to that present day. We're talking about 23 years of ministry. As you know, there is what's called general revelation. Revelation. From creation, conscience, and history. Romans chapter 1, verse 19 through 21, chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Man is without excuse about a creator. From creation, there's a sun, there's a moon, there's stars, there's animals, there's you. <laughs> You're created. From conscience, you know right and wrong. Now you call us that as you move along in life, but you began with a conscience of right or wrong. And from history, you know that Jesus came. You know that the evidence of God is throughout the world. So from general revelation, man is without excuse. Now, general revelation cannot save you. It cannot tell you that there is a specific Savior to save you. But it gives you an awareness and information that you did not evolve. Okay? You're created. There is special revelation which God reveals himself through the prophets to save man. Uh, special revelation, you have theophanies, appearances of God in the Old Testament, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, any physical manifestation to give evidence that God was present. Because God can't be seen, he's the epitome of holiness, so always veils himself in some physical manifestation. Okay, Special revelation, the words of the prophets, prophecy, revelation. He spoke to them. We are saved through special revelation The ultimate special revelation Is the revelation of his son Hebrews chapter 1 Verse 1 on down to 3 God who at different times And in diverse manners Spoken times past to the fathers By the prophets Has in these last days Spoken to us through his dear son He's the epitome He's a sum total of deity He's the last evidence of God For man in revelation In fact Psalm 14 uh, 1 says The fool has said in his heart No God So, God says through the scriptures that anybody who says there's no God is a fool. A man's a fool. Because there's too much evidence around this. Secondly, the Bible is the inspired word of God. Okay? So, Revelation is making himself known. But inspiration, let me give you a definition. Inspiration is the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit upon divinely chosen men, in consequence of which their writings became trustworthy and authoritative. That's a good definition. Baker's Dictionary Theology. In other words, the prophet Jeremiah, as we see here in verse 4, called Baruch to write his words. God chose the prophet, God chose the scribe. And Jeremiah calls Baruch, the son of Nariah, there in verse 4, and his name means blessed, good name. If you're having a baby, there's a good name. He was from a prominent family. We know this from Second Chronicles 34.8 and Jeremiah 32.12 and later around one and 51.59. Prominent family. The scribes were not just any whosoevers, they were trained, they were everybody could read to an extent if they were in the nation in school, but these men were professional writers. People didn't just try to write. This was their job. His grandfather Messiah was a ruler under Josiah, and his brother Sariah was in the service of Zedekiah. Now, notice that Baruch wrote down in verse four on the scroll of the book. At the instruction of Jeremiah. So, Baruch has nothing to do with this. He's just writing. It is Jeremiah who's receiving the revelation. All the words of the Lord which had been spoken were spoken to Jeremiah. He's the prophet. In fact, we get this confirmed. If you go down to verse 18, it says when the officials, the princes there, asked Baruch how he wrote the words that he gave the witness of what we have just read. So Baruch, in verse 18, answered and said, he proclaimed with his mouth all these words to me, literally from his mouth, and I wrote them with ink in a book. We get a third confirmation of this as you look to verse 27 and 28, and then we'll look at verse 32. Verse 27 and 28 says, after the king Jehoiakim had burned the scroll, Yahweh spoke to Jeremiah here, again to write another scroll, And in verse 27, the destroying of the scroll by Jehoiakim would not nullify God's word. It's interesting. Now, after the king had burned the scroll with the words which Baruch had written at the instruction of Jeremiah, here again, instruction of Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, once again, verse 28, the personal accountability to Jehoiakim was attributed for destroying the scroll. God sees everything. God holds every man responsible. Take yet another scroll and write on it all the former words that were in the first scroll which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, has burned. So, the first scroll was the first edition. The second scroll, scroll was the second edition. The first one was shorter. The second was longer. Okay? Look at verse 29. The pride of life had taken hold of Jehoiakim, causing them to reject God's word of judgment. And you shall say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Thus saith the Lord, You have burned the scroll, saying, Why have you written in it? That the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and cause men and beasts to cease from there. He didn't want to receive God's judgment. Now, people love to hear God's blessings. People love to claim God's promises. You ever see those little bread boxes? Why aren't they ever putting the curses in? Why aren't they ever putting accountability in or human responsibility? They're all blessings. Listen, you've got to take Genesis to Revelation. You cannot be a smorgasbord Christian. You can't spend all your days in the pudding. You've got to get into the meat. Look at 32. The permanence of God's word is sure. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Nariah, who wrote on it at the instruction of Jeremiah, again, the specifics, all the words of the book which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned on fire. And besides, there were added them many similar words. So the longer version, the second edition. Okay? Now, inspiration deals with the recording of God's truth. Making it infallible and inerrant. Not only in things pertaining to life and practice, but also history, archaeology, and science. We're not talking about man's theories. We're talking about facts. And as you do a study through the Word of God, and I'm going to give you some evidence, there is nothing that ever has contradicted the Word of God. I know many people tell you that, but they don't know what they're talking about. They're like parrots repeating the same lie that's been repeated so long that now it's treated as truth. Inspiration claims divine source and authority. You're familiar with 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Theopneustos, God breathed, literally expired from God. It's breathed out from God, communicated to the prophet, written down by the scribe. 2 Peter 1.19-20 says that the men of old did not speak of their own impulse or origin, but they were carried along by the Spirit of God, And God guided them. Your translation may have for no private interpretation. Strike that. It's origin, impulse. They did not speak of their own impulse or origin. It was the Holy Spirit carrying them along and giving them the words as we see here in Jeremiah. Inspiration. So what you contain in your hands right now is God's inerrant, infallible word. It doesn't become the word of God like the neo-orthodox say. There's not errors and contradictions like many of the scholars say. You have God's inerrant, infallible word. It's called plenary verbal inspiration. Every word. The minute differences in manuscripts, and we'll get into that, are so minute that never changes the sense or the meaning of the text. Because we have no original manuscripts. Because the older was not the most valuable, the newer ones. They made a scroll. They wrote it. When it wore out, before it wore out, they made a new one. The new one was valued more. But there was a method by which they secured no error. And we'll go through that, okay? Now, the Bible is the Word of God. Look at verse 1. The text says, The Word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. We also have it down in verse 27. This phrase is found in the book of Jeremiah 42 times. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Phrases like, "hear the word of the Lord are found throughout Jeremiah. Phrases like, the oracles of the Lord are found through Jeremiah. Phrases like, they rejected the word of God are found through Jeremiah. Over and over and over again. In fact, the scriptures declare over 3,800 times in the Old Testament phrases as follows. Thus saith the Lord, the word of the Lord came to me. The Lord said, write, the spirit of the Lord came upon me. I will be with your mouth and teach you what you will say. Over and over and over again. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ believed it was the word of God. And he's the ultimate authority. He never doubted or implied manuscript error. When the Lord said, Master, or, or you know, whatever. And Jesus didn't say, well, what translation are you reading from? Oh, I wouldn't trust that scroll. That, that's, that's got some errors in it. Jesus spoke of Noah. He spoke of Adam and Eve. He spoke of Cain and Abel. He spoke of Sodom and Gomorrah. He spoke of Moses, Isaiah, Daniel. He referred to the scriptures as prophecy which he fulfilled. Listen, he spoke of Jonah. (laughs) Now, I think he's better authority than professors in seminaries. Don't you think? Jesus accepted the Old Testament as historically and literal, including the prophecies. For he declared in Matthew five eighteen, listen, for surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle, which are the little markings over the Hebrew letters, will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled the smallest letter and the smallest stroke above the letter. Pretty heavy, isn't it? Every person that ever reads the Bible and here's the claims of the Bible must make a decision evaluating the Bible. You cannot be straddling the fence. You cannot be a mug whomp. Mug on one side, womp on the other. You've got to be on one or the other. There's no middle ground. Either it is God's word or it's man's word. If I choose to receive it as God's word, the Bible, then I receive the truth about me, about God, and about sin. That will drive me to Repentance. Every person has to make that decision. But he has to make that decision of the content of the Bible. Are they mere stories? Are they mere embellishments? Uh, Are they accurate or are they filled with errors? You have to make that decision. If I take them as silly stories only for children, then I will mock them. And I will dismiss them as applying to me. Because after all, I'm grown up. And I'm educated. And I know best. If I embrace them as truth, then they will cause me to identify myself as a sinful man. In need of a savior. Because it's very, very clear. You see, this was the revelation of Jeremiah. Now, secondly, let me look at the revelation of Jeremiah and the historical evidence. Writing... Is known to have existed as early as four to five thousand BC in Egypt. Now the critics argued many times. Now we know for sure. The materials that were used were many to transmit the writings in the scrolls. There was stone. Moses, when he came into the land, of Deuteronomy 27, he wrote it on the stones. He says there. Clay. Ezekiel 4:1, he writes on on, on clay tablets. Um, there's been huge libraries discovered out of Syria with those. There was wood. The Greeks used wood for many, many centuries. Leather was known to be used for thousands of years. Animal skins, they used, used, them, used them for the scriptures. Uh, we have many evidence of that. Uh, papyrus. Papyrus was that universal material that was used from the Nile River uh, of the reeds, and the, you embed them like 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 weaving, and then you smash them together, and it makes it. And it's believed that possibly the scroll of Jeremiah was papyrus because the king tossed it in the fire and burned it. Now, if it was wood, uh, well, well, wood, he, w- he didn't use it because it doesn't say that, but if it was stone or clay, it wouldn't be consumed completely. If it was vellum or, or uh, leather, it would have smoked a lot, and it would have stunk up the whole room. So most likely it was papyrus. From what we can deduct from here. And again, vellum parchments with animal skins were used also. So we have all these materials that we find archaeologically, how things were transmitted. Not only the scriptures, but documents and everything else. The material, the meticulous care of the transmission of the scriptures, the Bible, is amazing. Let me just give you some of these. It's overwhelming. They would count the words in the letters of each book. Okay? Think about that. All right? They calculate the middle verse and the word and the letter of the book. So the middle of all those things in the book. The middle verse of the Pentateuch is Leviticus 8-7. The middle verse of the Bible is Jeremiah 6-7 in the Hebrew text. They mark the verse with the letters of the alphabet, acrostic, okay? The synagogue rolls had to be written in skins of clean animals. They had to be fastened together with strings taken from clean animals also. Each skin had had to contain a certain number of columns, equal throughout. The length could not extend less than 48 or more than 60 lines in each column. And the breadth had to consist of 30 letters. The entire copy had to first be lined. And if there were uh, words written without lines, it was worthless. It was tossed away. The ink was black, not red, not green, no other color, and it had to be according to the recipe. The authentic copy was the exemplar, as I said earlier, because it would be before worn out, they would make a new one. The new one becomes more valuable. You and I, we live in printing presses, so the old one becomes more valuable. Okay, we're different. Okay, whole different world. Not a jot, not a tittle, was to be from memory. The little markings, eyes were never to leave. The scroll, regardless of who entered the room, and between consonant, there was to be a space of a hair or a thread. Between new sections, a space of nine consonants. And between every book, three lines. The fifth book of Moses must end exactly with a line, but the rest did not need to. The copier had to wear a full Jewish dress. And the copier had to bathe himself entirely. And every time the name of God appeared... He would have to grab a new pen and wash up again. There were some clean scribes. You know how many times the name of God appears in Isaiah, Jeremiah? The rejected copies were burned, buried, or banished to schools. The unity and harmony of the transmission of the scriptures is very, very clear. Your Bible contains 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the new. It's written over a sixteen hundred year span, written by forty authors, and yet there's a red thread running from Genesis to Revelation about that Jesus Christ the Messiah, beginning with Genesis three fifteen, the seed of the woman, going to Isaiah seven fourteen, a virgin shall bear a son, Isaiah fifty three, very depicting Psalm twenty two, the crucifixion, and many, many others, ending up with John one twenty nine, behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. A red thread. How these guys all know this? The persecution and the destructibility of the scriptures is very, very evident in history. Also, in 303 A.D., Diocletian gave a command to destroy Christianity in the Bible, and he made a medal, thinking he had succeeded and on the medal, it described this quote the Christian religion is destroyed the worship of the gods is restored 25 years later Constantine had it. Eusebius prepare 50 copies of the scriptures at the government's expense Tyndale was strangled and burned in ashes at the stake with his last breath he prayed Lord open the king of England's eyes the inquisition by the Catholic church was horrible it took the Bible from the people Bible Bible's still around
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, closing today with the indisputable historical evidence for the simple truths of Scripture. But if you've missed any part of this message, we've made it available to hear again anytime online. Just look for today's date when you click on the radio listings link at our website, CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. And, of course, there's much more to this study to come right here next time as well. But if your schedule will permit you to tune in, As always, you can pick up a personal copy of this message. And the title you want to ask for is simply, God's Word is Indestructible. It's available on CD for only $4. Now, once again, you'll be asking for the title, God's Word is Indestructible, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Fashions change with the seasons, technology seemingly by the day, and the stock market by the minute. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese marvels at the simple truths of the Word of God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hope you'll be back.